Greetings. My name is Mike Grain. Welcome to another University of Arkansas Supply Chain Management Research Council. Today we are joined by Elena from NEDAP. She is a operations manager director inside of NEDAP. She spends a lot of time working with retailers on RFID implementations and is really successful at trying to explain some of the best practices to make RFID work inside a retail organization. Let's join our podcast in progress. Yes, All right, 100% so, right. Yep. So tagging operational be- benefit would be potentially at the DC, no lower than the DC, because you're right. Once it gets into the store, it becomes a treasure hunt of what's tagged and what's not tagged, et cetera. Upstream to the supplier is probably the best, the best best approach. Talk to us about operationally collecting that RFID information at store level. Best practices that you would, in, for, for, for a store associate that's using their RFID, and let's just say specifically your system, what are some of the best practices to make sure that they are scanning correctly, scanning accurately, accounting for everything? Talk to us about some of the operational best practices there. In the store, once yes, the, the store. once the solution is deployed. So, yep. um, yeah. So, um, firstly, we like to think that ideally, um, it's pretty. I like to almost call it like plug and play. Like it's pretty. Like I said, our our interface is. We like to think of it as pretty simple. Um, that you can kind of pick it up, and uh, it's kind of like your iPhone, right? No directions mm-hmm. needed. You just intuitively know what you're supposed to do with it. So like to say that. So um, it's more around the setup of your store. So understanding, um, you know, it, same as any RFID, right? You want to you wanna limit your amount of metal. You want to limit your amount of exposure to, you know, the, the water bottle thing where they're like, we're keep scanning this. It's like, it's on a water bottle. Move on. <laughs> not going to happen right um so we like to think that it's pretty easy to do and that it's a matter of each retailer it what works for you we like to say you should count every week um at least once a week that you should do the physical going around the store and counting your items um so let me let me, let me stop you there. that's a great point once a week some yeah. retailers do it every day yeah. Some retailers do it once a month. Now, why did you say a best practice is probably once a week? So, um, so that's it. Will be consistent. You've got it, you've got a consistent what came in, what left. Um, you can you can track things easier. I think when you get longer than once a week, it's it's too far. It's too far to to turn around and go. Wait, we've got all these discrepancies. It becomes. So you want to minimize, you want this to be easy on your sales associates. And, you know, the reality behind a lot of fashion retailers is that the sales associates are, you know, sometimes they're seasonal employees. They're not going to be there for a whole long time. Sometimes, you know, they're, you know, their schedules change. So you've got different people coming and going and doing this, but if you if you don't make it a consistent, this is what we do every Tuesday morning. Every Tuesday morning, we count the store. And not just that one store, right? You make it sort of district-wide or region-wide. And that makes it easier on the whole process, the, the store for counting, the store managers for approval. So whether or not you allow like the store managers to approve differences and that kind of stuff, um, 
And then as it goes through, you're able to see the, 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 the changes week by week. So much easier to identify anything that's gone wrong in a week than to turn around and have to say it's been weeks. And then when you get stores or retailers where, you know, some stores are counting, some stores aren't counting, some stores are not approving, like that's when you're just, you know, you're, you're half using the tool, right? Yep. And um, yep. the, the, the folks who I think really love the tool, love the data that they collect, get the best results, understand what they've got, have the product in the store for the for the um, customers when they come in. Those are the people who have just kind of made this almost like brushing your teeth, right? Like you get up, you brush your teeth, you move on with your day. Every Tuesday, you come in, you count your store, boom, you're done, you move on. Yep. There's a, there's a term that Auburn called um, PI drift. That's, that is you started at 50 yep. or 60%. That wasn't acceptable. Uh, you wanted to get up to at least 95% plus so yep. you could offer that product to a, to a customer and potentially even expose that on hand online, et cetera. So I do an RFID scan. I get up to 95%. The minute I stop scanning, my PI starts to degrade back down again. The question is, how long do I want to wait? Exactly. And my sense is about a week, you'll, you'll actually drop below 90% oh. for some items really, really, really quickly. So I don't know if it's every day that you do a scan. If you're going to do that, you might want to think about fixed infrastructure. But you know, once a month or once every three months, et cetera, is not necessarily going to be enough. There's It's different by category. But the question is, if you really want, if your goal is inventory accuracy of 95%, you're probably going to have to at least do that minimum of, of once a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, here's some other things that I've seen. I'll, I'll just see how much this makes you cringe. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do my RFID scan when I'm receiving trucks with new freight and customers are shopping stuff. That's the best time to be able to collect this data. Would you agree with that or disagree? We haven't we haven't rehearsed this, but agree or disagree? Those are oh, that's a great time to do it. Oh yeah, I I think you should do it. You know when yeah when it's crazy and busy. No, absolutely not. <laughs> totally disagree. Totally disagree. Nope. Don't think right. that's a I got, good idea. I got, I got another one for you because okay. this one was hilarious. Before you do an RFID scan, look on the floor of everywhere there's an RFID tag that has fallen off a garment and pick up those tags and throw them into the nearest garbage can before you do a scan. Oh. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, and by I'm the way, the garbage can is not metal, so... You're most likely going to read oh. those tags in there. Oh, so you're so. What's the why do why did you bother doing that? Exactly, oh, kind of a waste of time. Um, I think you kind of want to know where where's the garment that this was attached to or the item. Um, I can see if you're going to pick it up and look for it, or you know, decide that you've been robbed. Um, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe your pause is to call the authorities and be like, I think we were just I think we were just had, but. Yeah. Well, I did have a retailer that literally said, if you find the tags on the floor, throw them into the nearest garbage can before you do RFID scan. And I said, oh. uh, excuse me, that's a plastic garbage can. I'm going to read every one of those you tags and assume up. that they're those are the product, right? Yeah, you better yeah, get them out there. of the building, right? Yeah, they're still there. Or get yourself one of those little metal tins, put them right inside the little tin. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> all right. So that does for scanning. So so for what are the other best practices that you have seen or not so best practices that you would like to highlight? Because from an operational standpoint, 
you've probably seen here are the things that are really, really good things to do from best practices. And here are the things that are definitely watch outs. Any other that you want to share with us? Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, truthfully in the, you know, four years that I've been doing this, um, we've had way more success actually with the retailers and the implementations that we've done, um, than we've had failure. So Really and truly, I think that when an organization decides to to go ahead and and implement, I think the the best pra- I think the things that make it successful are leadership buy-in number one, having those stakeholders completely involved and making sure that they are communicating with the rest of the organization because I think one of the pitfalls that I can remember of one retailer was that, they kind of thought that it was really just store ops that, you know, that was kind of involved or maybe it was asset protection, like one of the groups, I don't remember, but it was really like their thing and it wasn't anybody else's thing. And the problem with that is it's so wrong. It's so wrong. You're making a major change to your entire ecosystem and it's going to touch everything the way, the way your auditors do things, right? So even just thinking about oh, okay, I, I guess we need to inform them of all of these changes and stuff. So making sure that you have a really clear roadmap and that you've really thought about, okay, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to communicate um, this, uh, communicate all the changes. I also think having one central person really that is, um, usually it is a project manager, Um on the retailer side, but somebody who is just the person that uh, communicates constantly with our team and staying in communications, having those weekly catch up, having those, you know, bug fix meetings, like what's going on, what happened with this, and having that person understand what's going on, because that person will be your, your champion, your cheerleader, and the person who can communicate what other people are seeing. And it makes it less hectic than 30 or 40 people involved. Um, so I think that the, both of those things are, are really important. I think the communication piece is, is huge. And then the other, the other thing that I see is, and again, I'm not in sales. So uh, if, if, mm-hmm. if selling things was critical, my family would be homeless and starving because <laughs> I'm not doing it. I, I can't do it. So um, sales goes out and sales sells the dream. And I love that. Um, and then we are like the group that can, you know, sprinkle the magic and, and make the dream happen, but make the dream happen in a logical way that makes sense, right? As you go through, as opposed to wanting everything. And I do think that there are some, and I think it's sometimes just really more individuals that are like, well, we want to do this and we want to do that. And when can we do this? And what about this? And can we talk about that? And it's like, please stop, please stop. Mm -hmm. Let's just, Mm -hmm. let's just focus on step number one. Um, You're, you're, we want you to get there. I want you to have that dream. I absolutely do. But I also want you to have it in a way that that you'll that you will appreciate it. I don't want you. I don't want to throw everything at you, and then it becomes so much more that your organization is just overwhelmed, and that's just this uncle. We're like uncle enough, and then you're angry, right? You're not having a good experience. Um, 
And like I said earlier, it's, 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 it's a major change for an organization. So you want people to feel like this makes sense. This is happening in an orderly fashion. We can take this on. We can execute it. We have the folks devoted to it um, as opposed to just like, let's get it all and let's have this group do this and this group do that. And, and suddenly it's just, it's craziness. And honestly, it's, it's just not how we work. So, um, yeah. so yeah. Your, uh, your central uh, person uh, is a really good model. I, I actually talk about having it kind of be train the trainer as well. Train the people we who that. train. Yep. Train the trainer. So, so that, so that, so that individual or individuals who are doing that work, just a, just a philosophical question. Do you say, take somebody who really understands RFID, kind of the bits and bytes in RFID, how it works, and have them do that? Or do you take somebody who really is, understands store operation, understands the pain points, and teach them the technology? Which is the better approach? So I actually think the better approach, I think RFID, I came to NADAP, I literally remember being like, what, what are the letters EAS? Like, what does that stand for? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, you started talking about GS1. We have a GS1 guy here in the office. He's a guru. I don't pretend to know what he knows, but he will teach me. So, but I have my skills and that's mm -hmm. the same way I feel about this. So I think the better approach and the customers that I've seen the most success are the people who understand the business. I we have, NADAP is filled with just really smart, really excited people within their space. So if you want to talk GS1, I got a guy for you. You want to talk labels, I got a girl for you. Like whatever that is, I can do that. But if I don't know your business, mm -hmm. but you know your business. So if you can say to me, or to one of my amazing project managers or customer success manager, if you can say that won't work for us because, because this is how we do it. This is how we, this is how we want the experience to be for our, our um, customer. That is different from retailer to retailer. And you tell me that, and then I will tell you what you can do with the technology. And then I can teach you, we can teach you. So much better. I can't teach you how to run your business and I'm never going to pretend to. So what we try to do is just try to explain to you, this is how it will work. And then you can say to me, okay, well, you know, our store is just, uh, you know, it works this way and we've got product moving upstairs and downstairs and da, da, da. It, okay. Okay. So let's go through that together. So yep. I like the approach of, um, of the, the person who understands the business. I was hoping we could have a debate on that one because I was hoping you'd pick the other side. But I agree with you before. I And I remember this vividly, and I won't tell you what retailer is because it's embarrassing, but I was on the RFID team and I was very understanding of the operations of it. But I created this 10-step list of things they had to do to be able to deliver a successful scan. The associates did, I just kind of gave it away by telling you what it's associate. The associates did step one, number one. It failed. But they didn't even look. They went to step two, four, five. They all went all the way through 10 and said it didn't work. And that is when I said, I got to stop teaching this as a technologist. I have to teach this as a business person. And we yep. started doing side-by-side -side videos. This is what a inventory accuracy inventory looks like before. This is what it looks like with RFID. This one takes 
five hours. This one takes five seconds. This one is 65% accurate. This is not. Now, do you see why we're doing this? Oh, now we do it now. Show me how to do that. So it was just a completely different approach. And I'm not a marketing salesperson either, but I got to feel like I got to get into their head to go, I don't want to make their life easier rather than here's the 40 steps that I've got to go through and do something. Right. Yeah. We, one of the things that we, um, we love to do, we highly encourage retailers to do is, um, so my team, you know, I think we've all become so conditioned now to be able to do everything virtually, um, which is great and has a lot of pluses and that's fantastic. But there is something to be said for that face-to-face allowing our project managers to meet your team in a store to go through it with you to do the train the trainer in a store um, with your team and really understanding because a lot of times when we get in there, even the things that we've sort of seen and heard and understand or think we understand, and then they come back and they're like, oh my gosh, no, you know what? That was never going to work. Like, no, we need to change that. So, and then together we're going to partner with you. And, um, you know, that's like just another like, NADAP thing is that, mm-hmm. and that's what kind of makes us different is we look at the relationship like it's a partnership. We're here to be partners with you and help you. So we don't just say, here you go. Good luck. God bless. Have fun. Um, we're like, okay, this is the way it should work. This is what we see. But you tell us if this works for you. You tell us if there's something we can do to help you along the way. So yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, just a quick reminder for anybody who's on the uh, actually on the sem- uh, the session. We've got a bunch of folks on there already. Uh, if you do have any questions, go ahead and send them to me via chat. Uh, I've got a couple more questions, and then we'll uh, we'll uh, turn over to any questions you guys have uh, raised. And as Matt mentioned, we will uh, end the official podcast. And if there's additional questions you would like to ask Elena directly uh, off off camera, off webcast, we will just certainly take advantage of that as well. You said a three-letter word before, oh. <laughs> and you just kind of threw it out there. Three-letter. I said oh, three-letter. Yeah. Three-letter word before was EAS. Yes. Yeah. And this has become a passion area for a lot of people in this space because RFID is all about we got to get we got to know what we have at a high degree of accuracy. We've mm-hmm. got to know where it's located. That's what it does every single day to a lot of retailers. There's some retailers that are starting to think about. RFID as a electronic article surveillance or EAS kind of theft detection. Mm-hmm. I know you're pretty passionate about that. Walk us through kind of what you see the future being about potentially leveraging RFID uh, for theft mitigation or shrink uh, measurement kinds of things. So yeah, you're right. So EAS is like my like very close to my heart because um, when I started here, I started on the EAS side and I remember going over to the Netherlands and being like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about. (laughs) They're like these gates that go beep, beep, beep. And I'm like, Oh, I know what those are. (laughs) I get that. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. Um, And it's funny because that was only four years ago. um, And nobody really talked much about um, the RFID piece with the EAS piece. And now it is, it's kind of all people are talking about. It is, Mm -hmm. it is the thing for the next you know, five years, I would say. Um, so basically you've got, you've got these gates, right. You're, you've got this, you know, maybe it's an overhead, whatever. And originally like thought, okay, this is going to stop theft. And 
there's sort of a, you know, a conversation to be had of, does it, right? Is it a deterrent? It's probably a visual deterrent to your 16-year-old kid, right? But to your, you know, organized, you know, theft person, they're like, yeah, whatever. Um, and most retailers tell people, tell the sales associates, like, don't go chasing them down. They go out the door, it goes beep, beep, doesn't matter, let it go. Um, thank God, right? But okay, if those are going off and we can collect the data about what's leaving the store, um, maybe we should, what should we do with that? What can we do with that? And there's just a plethora of use cases for that. So anything from, you know, sweethearting at the register, so three or four things get rung up, um, but then one gets returned and then everything walked out the door or however it is that they're basically, you know, scamming that. Um, and you can see what left the store at the item level detail, as opposed to just knowing like, okay, it went off, it beeped, things left, but we don't really know what. Now we know what, and we can, we can do so much more with that data. Um, and again, like goes back to, was it sold here? Um, so I think there's, there's an enormous, um, potential for the loss prevention industry of how to use that, um, RFID data. So I think that's, uh, it's coming. It's very, very, very close here at NADAP. Uh, so I'm very excited. Um, and I do think that that's the next piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I, I do. I do as well. Um, because again, the electronic article surveillance does a, a little, at least a, a audible visual alarm, et cetera. But yeah. you have no idea what left the store at all, right? You have no no clue. Versus, hey, I know is what left the store. I can do two things. Number one, I can measure what left the store. I, I could probably go back to video camera and potentially put yep. a post case together. But thirdly, and most importantly, I know which items I need to now readjust my on hand so I don't disappoint the honest customer who's trying to buy that product and it's not available because it says it have five and there's none available in the store. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. Yeah, when you're when you're back to that use case where you're, you know, those things are leaving the store and you have no idea, you know, until three days later, right? So, um, yeah, no, there's there's so, a. So is there any best practices or is there anything they can do? Because certainly knowing what left the store without being paid for or what you paid for that you didn't receive from the supplier, your DC, et cetera. And being able to measure that real time is a huge value versus the once a year inventory we do it. Uh, You know, we typically do in industry. The question becomes is can you leverage RFID to actually stop theft? And, And I'd love to hear your answer as an EAS expert. EAS tells you it's left the building or something left the building. RFID even tells you here's exactly what left the building. Is there any way to leverage RFID as part of a theft mitigation strategy so it doesn't leave the building? Just a curious question for you. So uh, I would challenge the word expert. Um, <laughs> I would definitely challenge the word expert. I am by no means an expert, but I but I can get you one if you need one. Um, so. You know, it's probably for people smarter than me. I'm okay. sure there is. I'm sure there is, right? I'm yeah. sure that as as we use the technology, as we think about it, and I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of people out there in loss prevention that are like, oh, yeah, 
I can I can come up with a whole bunch of ways. That's not really something I think about, but um, I'm sure there is. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to me, and I, I'm sure there's a bunch of folks out there who have already thought about this as well, because I don't consider myself an expert as well. But but if I actually made an investment in a software platform like yours and a fixed infrastructure that's reading things all the time, if I know that razor blades are twenty dollars a package, I know most customers buy maybe one every once in a while, buy two, but mostly one or two. If I if I see eight just left that particular area of the store, I might be able to ask some questions at the door, right? Just yeah. say it. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. So I think there's, some, I, I think there's, yeah, the people people are buying ten. My guess is they're not for using it for personal use. Let's just put it that way. You know, there is there is a use case um, that we are testing out with a particular retailer surrounding organized crime or organized mm -hmm. theft um, about the idea of multiples, right? Like that entire yep. stack of jeans. Nobody's buying that entire rack, right? And just putting it in and it's out the door. But if you know that it left, if you get an alert and you you know that that left, you then in certain instances and in certain retailers, they know that that's happening. It's probably going to happen at the store down the street or the store, you know, three mm -hmm. towns over. And then you can alert them that like, hey, we were just hit. Potentially you might be hit. So there's, there are, there's, there's, and it's funny because I'm sitting here going, oh yeah, I remember that conversation because not in all of them, but um, yeah, there's, there's definitely, it's the data, right? It just goes back to yep. Data is king. And if you've got the data, then you might as well use it. And like you said, if you're if your company is investing in this type of technology, use it and and you know, use it to its full potential. Um, because there's a lot that we can do with it, a lot that we never could do with it. I think like yeah. how much my husband would have loved this in the store, right? It just would have made life so much easier. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you by chance heard of, I'm going to promote a company here because they've been pretty public about it. Have you heard of what Lowe's is doing with a project called Project Unlock? I have not. What are they doing? All right. So, so here, this one out, this is fascinating. This was specifically, and again, this is, they've been very public about it. So hopefully I'm not taking anything out of context, but the idea was they had a lot of kind of major theft of power tools. Power tools are probably a hundred bucks for a drill, right? Uh -huh. So what they would literally do is put, and you can kind of follow this, they put an RFID tag inside the power drill. That drill is turned off, okay? Unless it gets read by an RFID reader. On the outside of the box is a 2B, 2D barcode, which is basically the serial number of that tag, okay? okay. So if they go to a register they scan that tag, they give them their hundred bucks for the product, an RFID reader turns that product on so it will work. If they just grab a bunch of those drills and run out the store, they got a bunch of drills, but they don't work because it hasn't been enabled. That's why oh, they call it project. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that, that is brilliant? genius. And that yeah. is, we literally owned a hardware store and- Oh, really? Power, yeah, that's what we, that's what my husband owned. He owned a hardware okay. store in uh, okay. Harvard Square. And, um, and yeah, and the power tools and like all of the electronics, like that was the stuff that, you know, walked out of the store and it was a small store. So locking everything up was impossible. So right. sure. He's like, Oh my God, that would have been amazing because, you know, yeah. And the margins are, the margins on that stuff are, they're not great. I mean, they're slim, no. they're not huge. So 
you know, you lose a couple. That's yeah. that sucks. So and, and and if you're the person that just stole them all and you try and resell them and they don't work, yeah, oh. thank you very much. That you know, again, you 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 reward that bad behavior by nobody's going to buy it from you because they don't what, work. What an amazing gotcha, though, right? Like that's yeah. really cool. I like yeah. that actually. But you think about televisions and appliances, basically anything that has either an AC or DC source, you could actually enable through that. And now the idea of coordinating across, I mean, we, we yeah. have so much problem just pe- trying to get p- people to put RFID tags on the boxes, Right. the idea of trying to coordinate that. But to me, that's a breakthrough kind of thing. If you can literally say, unless you pay for it, I'd love to do that with your, with your lipstick example. Unless you pay for it, if it leaves the store, it doesn't work. You put it on, it turns your legs blue or something like that. I mean, I don't know how you do that, but that's right. But I keeping people that right. It's it, it, that's yeah. I mean, and that's probably like the biggest challenge with some of the amazing like use cases for all this stuff is okay. Yeah. In concept, this is amazing, but then. You have to put it into practice, and um, yeah, you know, we're not quite there with a lot of this, but I do think that you know it's getting there. I mean, you know, look ten years ago, like people were still you know physical inventories yeah. and counting things one by one, and so you know it will change, it will get better, but uh, take some time. So it is fun. a fun, it is a fun time to be part of retail. It, it, it is, a, it yeah. is a fun time to be involved with some of these innovative ways. I mean, just being able to know what you have and where it's located at a high degree of level so you can have enough enough confidence to expose those on hands to customers. And what you just mentioned, supply chain, I may not have any of these pens right now, but I know that a truck just left my DC. It'll be here for six hours. I can go ahead and expose those those pins that are going to be on that truck because I have confidence they're on that truck. So it it unlocks a lot of stuff and, and not to use the... The project unlock, but to me, asset protection is the next big opportunity. Asset protection yeah. and, a, and a supply chain are the, the the two biggest opportunities. Now that you've invested all that time and put RFID tagging for inventory accuracy, we can now do other things with it, which is pretty exciting. It and, is. Uh, very I'll, exciting. I'll, I'll call them out, and I think everybody's already heard this, but Joe Cole from Macy's is definitely leading the edge and leading the inventory uh, opportunity from an AP standpoint of trying to figure out how to leverage this data uh, for asset protection purposes. So I know he gets a lot of requests for come and tell us how you're doing this. But to me, that's that's the breakthrough opportunity for sure. I agree 100%. Right. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, Elena, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to hear about how, uh, how the uh, store that is going to be implemented in the future, who where your husband bought the lipstick and because I'll bet you a year from now, they're using RFID for lipsticks. Cause you I know, think you Ned, may, Ned you, is you hoping keep, that they are. You keep selling, you keep saying you're not a salesperson, but you're certainly a salesperson because you're passionate about this topic. So I want to thank you very much for your time. You've done, you've done a great job representing NEDAP and in the industry and, and thanks for all the di- the practical uh, tips because I, I we've never gotten into the specific kind of here's what works and here's some best practices etc. I think you walked us through several from where you tag it to how you wand it. Uh, that whole idea of a central person who really understands the business and and helps to implement it. Uh, we call them kind of store champion kind of idea. Yeah. I, th- I think those are all exceptional opportunities for any retailer out there who's doing this. So uh, well, any other too. closing comments, Any anything that I should have asked you that I probably didn't? 
Um, I don't think so. We covered a lot. Thank you for, uh, you know, for the opportunity and uh, thank you for making this very easy. I was a little nervous, so I appreciate it. You did a great job. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. You're Take welcome. Care, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having right. me. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this discussion with NEDAP. Hope you enjoyed both part one and part two, where we talk about best practices uh, on RFID implementations. Join us next time as we get together with the folks from SES Imagotag uh, and talk about on-shelf availability and specifically computer vision to measure on-shelf availability in retail stores. Join us then.